This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to Connect with Community Waikato on Free FM 89.0. I am Holly from Community Waikato. And have with me Vicky today from the CAB, regular visitor. Hi. Vicky. Again. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I should get some sort of coffee or something. That's right. Yeah, it's a shame we don't pay, hey? <laughs> yeah. So we're talking today about digital exclusion. And uh, 2020, I believe it was, the CAB National Office undertook a bit of research in this. And digital exclusion um, had always been a bit of an issue, but I think 2020 really highlighted the um, extent of that issue and the impact of digital exclusion. And I know that you guys had been considering digital exclusion for quite some time. There's um, issues with things like um, a lot of government bodies require uh, interface (laughs) through digital mechanisms, which doesn't work for everyone. So that was causing issues, blah, blah, blah. But 2020... Everybody at home, digital exclusion um, was really highlighted. So can you tell us a little bit about the research that was initially undertaken by the CAB? Yeah, so interestingly, the CAB-NZ, which is the Citizens Advice Bureau national team, um, actually did the research before COVID hit New ah, Zealand. So it was yep. really interesting because they actually started um, collating it for about three months beforehand and then produced sort of this massive report in February 2020, which then COVID just re-emphasized over and over again about how how difficult it was for people because when covid hit and we went into lockdowns level four and level three citizens advice bureaus weren't allowed to open physically to the public so all the managers and all the staff went home and a lot of the volunteers started doing a, a triage line on an 0800 number and it was really clear that people were suddenly completely isolated people who had been doing either okay or just staying above the the line were suddenly thrown in the deep end like they they couldn't mm. they couldn't possibly survive and government agencies to be fair to them were slammed by unprecedented numbers but they didn't have any backups they didn't have any other ways of getting in touch so CabNZ, you know, produced this and everything else, and they've been pushing this agenda, and they actually had a uh, one-hour special debate at Parliament on the 28th of July, and were supported across all political parties, which was really good to see. And so, so what is this debate? What, what, what were they debating, per se? It's a little bit difficult to explain in a way. So digital exclusion is about people being unable to get online. Um, And it's not suggesting that in any way the development of online resources is bad. In fact, we know that it's a strength. We know that moving forward digitally is the future. But the campaign is leave no one behind. And it's about the fact that not everyone has equal access to the Internet and not everyone has Mm. the ability to to access the Internet and not everyone wants to. Can we talk about what some of the barriers to accessing the Internet are? Absolutely. So what we picked up on in our research, and, and this was this was collated by something like 2,300 volunteers across 81 bureaus. So it's across Aotearoa. It's not just sort of, you know, one specific place. So um, some of the barriers were sort of like physical lack of access to computers. So you don't have yes. a computer at home. You don't yeah. have a printer at home. Or you, don't you don't have, have a scanner. smartphone. Or- yeah, you don't have a smartphone. You don't have the ability. You don't have internet access. You know, you live rurally or you can't afford it. Yeah. 
the fact that some people physically cannot access the internet because it is not in some rural communities, even after the big rural rollout of um, internet throughout New Zealand, mm. that is hugely problematic. It and is, yeah. And, and a lot of people will turn around and say, well, they can go to the libraries. Now, excuse me, if you're working a full Monday to Friday, nine to five, and you have to go to the library and if in order a, to access online If services, you're a farmer, you're probably not right? working. To, you're working dawn to dusk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's also, it's also incredibly patronising to yeah. say to someone, oh, I'm sorry that you can't access digital resources like we can. Go to the library. And the library are incredibly supportive, but they can't be everything for all people. If you also live an hour away from a library, yeah. <laughs> you know, I um, mean, a number of our people in rural communities do. Yeah. That's problematic. And also, I mean, we have people here in, in Hamilton who go to the Central Library and they get really good help. But we have other people who go to the Central Library and they can't take the, they can't take the noise. They can't take the crowds. They can't take the people. And they don't know how to ask for help. And they come to us. And we're being overburdened because we're picking up the slack. Yeah. Um, and going back to the previous point, it's not about saying don't go online, don't develop digital resources or anything like that. It's about saying stop ignoring vulnerable communities stop pretending they don't exist because the other issue towards not being able to access online services of course is literacy mm. so if you've got poor reading and writing and you're expected to go online that's incredibly difficult and challenging and of course it comes back to this fact that well you know are you going to apply for a passport if you have poor literacy skills? Are you going to apply for a passport if you don't own your own home? And it's like excuse me how yeah. can we work in a society like that that basically decides that if you don't have good enough literacy skills because you didn't go to formal education or education yeah. failed you in some way or you don't fit the mainstream that you don't actually have a right to access these services? Can we talk about the elderly and where they fit in in the space of um, digital exclusion? I mean, yeah, I've got some, some great stats, which yeah. I know everyone loves. I everyone so loves some good stats. I just so happen to have some numbers here. <laughs> yeah, look at, look at me <laughs> filing my papers. I am actually prepared. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, of course, digital exclusion has, is often um, weighted against the older generation sort of saying, look, you know, my nana doesn't know how to use her phone, so, of course, she can't go online. Yeah. And it's ridiculous because a lot of the government agencies or sort of the the um, idea behind it is that eventually, and this is a horrible way to put it, eventually these issues will die out yeah. because either people will learn or the older generation will pass on and, and youth is obviously completely on board with digital resources and is never excluded. Yeah. Um, and the information that we gathered and CabNZ published in their sort of... Um, information was that absolutely out of I think it was 4,379 were recorded in a three-month period and 16 percent were 70 to 79 and 18 percent were 60 to 69 however 14 percent were 40 to 49 mm. now that's that's incredible to me because yeah. that's gen x that's the generation that okay they didn't have uh, mobile phones at school, but they started to get dial-up. And then yeah. when they left for uni, we had yeah. mobile phones. And then when we went off to work, the internet was up and running and we were moving through technology. Yeah, We also have 12% at 30 to 39. That's millennials. You know, 13% of these people were unable to access, were digitally excluded. And then we had 6%, 25 to 29. So it's not in any way 
older people are the problem they just don't want to engage um it's their fault for not engaging or learning with digital you know digital resources it is actually linked to a lot more sort of social economic problems yeah so so CAB National um went down well went to parliament they're based in yep. yeah and and we're having a conversation and you said there was cross party support for well essentially um for for the conversation do, do you know if government are proposing any support or um any any solutions or or did the CAB propose any solutions um the CAB definitely proposed some solutions i think they looked at things like you know community first um sort of i think their argument along the lines was if the CAB are picking up on this overwhelming numbers of people needing help then you need to support not for profits yeah. because you're failing uh, you're failing as a government to provide services to your people in a very difficult time, and you're relying on not-for-profits to pick up the slack. slack. Yeah, and we sh- we've always known. I mean, Citizens Advice Bureau doesn't receive any government funding, and yet we're advertised on government websites as a source mm. of support. Which, <laughs> yeah, that's right. But cheeky, um, isn't it? Yeah, well, <laughs> um, so you know, for, for us, it was more along the lines of we understand digital resources, we understand the need to go online, and it works for a lot of people and it makes things easier however you have to stop disregarding everyone who can't do this you have to offer multiple options and citizens advice bureau one of our strengths is that we're face-to-face yeah we still operate face-to-face we move through our communities you can come and see us you can come and sit and talk with us for hours hours at an end you can come and talk to us um and i think the problem is is that a lot of government services have closed their doors yeah and to be fair yes COVID-19 made us social distance. Government agencies closed their doors to keep their staff safe. They're not reopening. Mm. And this is an issue. You know, we keep hearing it. And yes, it's word of mouth. It had been a trend prior to 2020 as well. You know, this this withdrawal from frontline services, probably somewhat preempted by some horrific incidents with work and income and, and violence and um, Housing New Zealand, I think, was at the time, Housing New Zealand, was one of the first to completely seem to shut off a face-to-face contact opportunity for communities or clients. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so this is a trend that they'd been moving towards. It felt to me like 2020 was an excuse to <laughs> take that to the next step. Yeah, sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes I feel like the move was a little bit disingenuous. You yeah, know, like it's it's all it's all good to say. Look, we had to. We were closing our doors. We were doing this, but they were also decreasing their staff numbers. Yeah. Why would that have Why would that have any impact on COVID nineteen? Yeah, you, know, you don't have to decrease your teams. You don't have to decrease your locations just because you're closing your doors. Yeah, and there was nothing else being offered. There was no additional sort of support, and we were really struggling with that. And the thing is, to be fair to these government agencies, the people who work within them they want to do a good job they want to help their communities but they don't have the resources either mm. so it was very much about sort of like leave no um, i should also mention that there is a petition online for leave no one behind oh great um, so if you are interested in sort of supporting the cab national team and putting this forward it would be great if you guys could um sign up and so support what, the movement what's the um how would you find it does it have a, an address there uh it's on our action station 
If you yes. just Google our action, sorry, I'm, I'm, I know, I know. You could the come irony. into the CAB and we have a paper copy. So you can come into Hamilton and sign my paper copy of the petition. However, <laughs> if you Google our action station and find Leave No One Behind, that would be fantastic as well. We're going to um, take a short break. We will come back to that too and give people another reminder to get in and do that. Um, but we'll take a short break and when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the, um, I suppose, grassroots implications of this and what you guys are doing as a CAB to help um, resolve the issue, help with some solutions, <laughs> support some people. Is that cool? Sounds good.
always something there to remind me. Um, I am here. Um, I'm Holly from Community Waikato, <laughs> just in case you wanted to know. And I'm here with Vicky from the Citizens Advice Bureau from the, uh, the Hamilton branch. Uh, and we've been talking about digital exclusion. And it's, it's fantastic that, um, you know, your, your head office, your, your big, I don't know how you refer to the national part, Parents, parents no. yeah. <laughs> the grown-ups, the no. parent organisation. <laughs> it's great though that they've been doing this this research, so that you've got the data that backs up what essentially you know and what you yep. see day to day. So it is good to have the numbers, eh? It is, and I think that's one of the strengths of the Citizens Advice Bureaus is when we say something like, "Oh, we know that fifteen percent of eighteen to twenty-five year olds are doing this," we can back it. Yeah, you know, yeah. So I mean, that's fantastic. Um, but so you've got this side. You've got a um, you've got a petition on the go. So again, encouraging people to head towards our action station. Um, jumping online there if you can, or if you don't, <laughs> jumping on into the office um, at uh, Victoria Street number fifty-five. You should know this. Well, we're neighbor. thirty-three. Oh, that's weird. So yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yes, we are neighbours. Um, <laughs> where you can fill out um, one of those petitions, and it is really important because we're requiring um, more and more. Um, I suppose interaction online. Yes, and and it does mean that people are missing out and falling through gaps. So, as a bureau, what are you guys doing to actually meet that need? Yeah. So, as I said before, one of the strengths of the bureau is that we're still face to face, and we always will be. We understand the need for people to see someone, sit down with them, and talk things through. So, we continue to sort of push that service. Um, and, you know, we, we're trying to be open as much as possible. So we're open from nine till five every day, uh, Monday to Friday. And we also offer free legal clinics as well to try and get people access to resources that they just can't. Mm. The other thing we're doing is we're rolling out this new initiative, which has taken off relatively well. We're quite strong. We're working out of Western Community Centre at the moment on a Wednesday. Um, but we've also looking for volunteers for Enderley Community Centre, Glenview Community Centre, and I also have two volunteers at Sharma, mm. which is Migrant Women for Migrant Women. So the concept behind this, and we got some additional funding in order to try trial it out, is that um, vulnerable communities tend to rally around strong community centres. The, the people who work there are normally from their community. They put on events. They're very socially mm. inclusive. It's a safe place to meet. And I felt that sometimes, the same with digital exclusion, sometimes people just couldn't get to Victoria Street. Like, it feels easy to us, but actually someone who's in the Western Community Centre area just can't. They can't yeah. get to us. Um, and or they don't cost, want to call. Or it costs them to yes. do it. And, it, it and it's them. hard when you've got little kids and you're travelling around. Yeah, like yeah. all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I also realised that the Western Community... I'm just going to use Western as an example, but there are three others who are in this. The Western Community Centre has built up a really strong rapport with its community. So I could also get volunteers from within that community, people who wanted to volunteer for the Citizens Advice Bureau, but were put off by travel yeah. or were put off by our reputation. Because whilst we are 100% non-government funded, we come across as an official organisation. You know, mm. our name is Citizens Advice Bureau. Yeah, like who knows? Named that well, right. obviously named it a long time ago. Yes, it was in who the UK. Can even, who can even say brewery well? <laughs> um, and we wanted to be, we wanted our volunteers to understand that we were here to help and that we're yeah. always going to be here to help. And 
we also wanted people from the community to come forward and sort of while they were just doing normal stuff at the Western Community Centre or at Sharma to see us there, to see us working within their teams, our volunteers mixing with their volunteers um, and for everyone to just get better access. And it's it's relatively cost free because the volunteers are from the community. They know their communities really well. The client base tends to build up from within the community. We're taking up physical space within Western Community Center. But other than that, we're not taking from their resources. We're not in any way competing with their yes. resources. It's actually pure collaboration right. and it's perfect. Um, and I think that once we roll this out, so I'm still looking for volunteers for the Enderley Community Center and Glenview Community Center. So if anyone listening is interested, you can email me at manager.hamilton at cab.org.nz or you can take a look at our listings on volunteering Waikato. Or you could pop in. Oh, you could pop in. Sorry. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that that is really important and I love the idea of um, of using or, or connecting with volunteers from those communities um, because it's also about building capability in those communities. So, Absolutely. So they get some really good training, too, yeah. eh, in terms of being an interviewer. Absolutely. So when you become a, an accredited interviewer, it is an accreditation, and it takes about three to four months of training. And it is something that you can use. So we do have a lot of law students who work, who volunteer with us because they need that experience of giving advice to people who are more often than not older than them um, and advice that sometimes people don't want to yeah. hear. And that's really good experience for them as well as the training. For some Someone hearing that it goes, oh, I've never had any any formal education. I'd really like to volunteer, but I'm not a lawyer. No. What would you say to them? All I ask for in an interview is an open heart and an open mind. I know that sounds yep. a little bit corny, but it's true. I just want non-judgmental people who have the ability to keep information confidential. Everything else I can train. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we do look at different things. You do have to have sort of some basic computer skills because we record everything we do. But again, the training is three months and you do yeah. it over and over again and you're constantly supported. And if at the end of three months you still don't feel comfortable, you keep training training you actually there's no cutoff period so yeah no it's a fantastic sort of new initiative and and we do want more volunteers from different walks of life we do want people who haven't gone to formal education we do want people who are struggling in their community to find a fit and and let's think about some of our perhaps retired community who maybe have had a bit of a work history Mm. but haven't had a lot of experience with computers and are wondering are they the right kind of fit for this? Absolutely. Again, open heart, open mind. We have everyone. And retired um, people make up the majority of our volunteering team. Um, and if you just, at the end of the day, if you're even slightly interested in volunteering with the Citizens Advice Bureau because you want to be able to help other people, then just come in and see me. Mm. It's really informal. The interview, which isn't even an interview, it's a conversation, is 20 to 30 minutes, and it's a, it's about the role commitment, which is two hours a week, and it's just a discussion, mm. and it's really gentle. And if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. Let's talk a bit about then what... Um what people come in for, and I imagine they will come into the community house to meet with those volunteers for the same kinds of reasons that they come in and mm. see you guys in town. So you can can you talk us through what that kind of looks like, what kind of conversations you have with the community? So, yeah, um, it will definitely have similar things because at the moment people are booking to come and see us, but at some point we will just become established part of the background so people who are walking past will go, oh, I should ask them. Yeah. Um, but at the moment it's mainly neighbourhood 
issues. So your neighbors, no one gets on with their neighbors. If you don't get on with your neighbors, you're part of the you're part of the majority. If you get on with your neighbors, well done. I've got great neighbors, I yeah. must say. Communication is key though, yeah. and also don't always assume the negative. So um, so tell me about what are some of the issues that that people experiencing. Fencing's a big one, eh? Fencing is a yeah. huge one. Trees so oh. yeah, trees growing over the top of other people's fences. So your neighbor's tree is overgrown. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of the rules around that. So you are allowed to cut back your neighbor's tree without damaging it uh, to the line of your fence. Yes. However, you have to put the trimmings back over the fence for your neighbor but which they would love i'm sure (laughs) exactly (laughs) there's tensions that feels like if it's back over isn't going to go down well once you leaves here you leaves um and i and i think and i need to find out where this law came from in the beginning but i have something to i have a feeling it has something to do with firewood Uh you know that belongs to them yeah it belongs to them so you can't be stealing stuff and then using it to light your fires i'm not sure that's my theory but i need to look it up but yeah but if you have a neighbor and you have an overgrown tree just go and talk to them please and just explain that you know you're going to cut this back would they like the trimmings or you're happy to get rid of them yourselves the other problem is that when tree roots uh, grow under and damage drains and things like that and that can get a little bit complicated but it is whoever owns the tree's responsibility yeah Um, the other one is sort of noise complaints we get a lot of those where neighbours sort of someone plays their radio or music too loudly because that's a council responsibility isn't it so so how are you able to have what, what conversation do you have with someone there well we tend to walk them through their options and more often than not they've already contacted the council and although the council are doing their best they just you know (laughs) um, they have a noise complaint officer who you can get in touch with but it can be a bit hit and miss and sometimes when you have neighborhoods that are just being ignored that can be quite difficult so if you've got new neighbors and you're an established resident and suddenly they're kicking off and they're having parties and they're parking on your lawn it can be very intimidating and then when you call the council unfortunately more often than not the response is along the lines of why don't you call the CAB and see what they can do yeah we've had that a couple of times Mm -hmm. where um, people who organizations and services have have referred back to us which is interesting because it's in the name it's it's advice it's not citizen out there and move your neighbors <laughs> cars well, yeah no. oh, we know. could we could we're tough but i don't think we should do that. i think that might be a bit far uh, into the outreach but no we have that a lot for example we do often from the police we get people referred back to us for civil complaints and they're not civil yeah and that's actually something we're struggling with at the moment is that and i understand why the police are saying look we don't want to go in and deal with these and immediately yeah. have a police presence because it's escalated escalates, yeah, yeah escalates the situation however there are some instances where they've said gone go to the citizens advice bureau and we cannot solve this issue yeah we cannot help this person and it's frustrating for the person on the phone for us to go you need to call them again and explain this yeah but then sometimes that helps so to clarify your thinking around a problem so you've called the council the council have said we might get to this at some point why don't you call the cab well it's frustrating we can walk you through your thinking make sure that you're clear go through your options and even if it's stuff like and it sounds ridiculous but stuff like talk to your neighbor write a letter put it down in writing make sure it's received and just walk through a timeline 
Um, and sometimes that can just help people to have someone who's just sympathetic on the phone. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Look, we're, we're out of time at this oh. end, so very quickly just want to point people again towards the petition around digital exclusion. It is really important to... Um, yeah, to, to to really highlight this as an issue because yeah. it is it is leaving some people behind. So, it is. Um, Action Station, um, Google that. You'll see um, there's a petition on there around digital exclusion from the CAB. Put your name to it. I will do that today. Yeah, called Leave No One Behind. Leave No One Behind. So that's fantastic. Um, if you're interested in, in um, <laughs> volunteering with the CAB, call in at 55 Victoria Street, um, <laughs> ask to speak to Vicky, or do jump online, um, Google them, and you can go actually straight through the website yeah. that way. Fantastic, that's us for another week. You've been listening to Connect with Community Wakato, free of them. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.